재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 in Seoul and on streaming platforms everywhere. This week we're getting to know somebody who's been making media in Seoul and in Korea for quite some time. At first, as an amateur, and then honing his skills into a photographer, a videographer, and a time-lapse filmmaker. His work has gotten so good, in fact, it's been sought after and showcased by National Geographic and other major broadcasters. He's bringing his knowledge of Korean life and making cool videos to the studio right now, and his name is Noe Alonso. Hey, Noe. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to have you here. So... Like so many others, you started out before you uh, started making these real state-of-the-art time-lapse videos and photos as a YouTuber. Uh, That's right. Uh, When I came to Korea, I was actually a food blogger, so I would make videos about Korean life and food. This is roughly when? 2011. 2011. Okay, so it's. uh, I guess that is a while back now. We're talking about seven years ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago. But uh, you just kind of went place to place, markets, that kind of stuff? Yeah, originally, to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. But I met like... I met more like Korean food bloggers and people who actually know what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. they kind of taught me along the way. What was your blog called? Your blog or channel? It was originally called Rock On, you know, Republic of Korea On. Ah, Rock On. Now I get it. Okay. Mm. So uh, it's interesting. What drives people to to do YouTube channel? I mean, there's, there's so many YouTubers out there. Were there back then? Back then there were a few, like there was a small crowd. Yeah. And uh, now there's very many. Yeah. It's a a minor exhibitionist streak in a way. A lot of the times I think uh, people want to just externalize their process of learning about stuff and, and be seen as they learn about food. Is that what kind of motivated you back then? <laughs> well, to be honest, I kind of wanted to show my mom what I was doing in Korea. <laughs> that was the main thing. <laughs> little uh, letter to mom in the form of a YouTube channel. Where is mom? Uh, she's in South Texas. 10 minutes from the border. Oh, okay, cool. I should mention throughout our whole conversation, uh, we're going to be posting up some of your stuff, your photos, your old YouTubes, your time lapses, and all of that on our various social <laughs> media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, so, you know, mom mom can see it, and so can all the listeners uh, mm-hmm. while we talk about visual stuff. Noe Alonso, and you're right near the Mexican border. I'm going to infer from that you're from a Mexican family. That's right. My parents are from Mexico, and I was born in the States. Okay, cool. So you've got a multicultural uh, background even before you come to Korea. That's correct. What Were you a foodie back there before you came to Korea, or was that just a convenient visual subject? Uh, I wasn't, actually. Uh, it wasn't until I came to Korea that I got exposed to all these different foods that I became more... I wanted to explore more. Mm-hmm. You know? And even when I go back home now... I try to find new restaurants and new places that I haven't been to. You are sort of, I do follow you around on uh, your your social media. You're pretty good at finding places that are off the beaten path. Authentic, super authentic kind of holes in the wall. Exactly. That's, uh, that's kind of my thing now. Yeah. Finding that little kind of locals only type of place. That's the real gem when you can, when you can stumble across it. What are your favorite uh, Korean food things? My favorite Korean food is uh, actually tteokbokki. No, I mean, seriously. no, not tokalbi. I mean, tokalbi. Oh my God, uh, tokalbi. So, like, a sort of hamburger esque pressed meat kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. It's it's actually it's kind of hard to find good tokalbi in Seoul, 
But there's actually one place in uh, Yeonamdong that I actually like going to. Oh, yeah? Okay. It's almost become kind of a cliche, the overlap between Tex-Mex food and Korean food and all that. Do you you get into the fusion stuff at all? Actually, to me, I always thought of fusion kind of a gimmick because it's still just Korean food. You just throw in some other ingredients in there. Yeah, throw in some kimchi into your taco. Yeah, that's the thing. Even back home, there's uh, this food trucks that are really popular now. And uh, they have something called the kimchi tacos, which became a hit because they've never been exposed to it. But even when I went there, it really wasn't that Korean. I mean, they threw some kimchi in there and uh, they thought it was spicy, but it wasn't, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. So Spicy I d- by whose standards? Yeah, by uh, Mexican standards. By Mex- you think Mexicans have the stronger uh, sort of spice level? I, I do. Korean? I do think so. Like uh, I had a Korean friend, and she never believed me that Mexican food was spicy or that she always thought Korean food was a superior spice. Anyways, uh, she was in Texas because she was studying, and I had her try some Mexican food, and she started to cry. <laughs> it's because of the, I mean, most people think of jalapenos, but those are like training wheels. It's oh, the poblanos yeah. and the habaneros and all those other stuff. You know, when I get lonely, and that's pretty often, I have a jar of jalapenos, <laughs> and I just kind of eat them. Yeah. Know? Just because just it makes me feel like I'm back home. Oh, that's nice. Uh, you're married to a Korean, yes? That's right. Okay. Um, so, you went from being kind of like an amateur food blogger, kind of stumbling your way through it around 2011 to um, relatively recently, I recall that you buckled down and you said, I'm going to master uh, various aspects of photography. I suppose that started with your rooftop pictures, right? You became, you, you became relatively, you know, small scale famous for these uh, fantastic uh, rooftop scenes. That's correct. But uh, actually, my roots are from YouTube because uh, I wanted to make better YouTube videos. So I bought a DSLR and I thought, since I have a DSLR, I might as well take some photos. And eventually, I just started taking good pictures. Yeah. Self-taught. You yeah, spent a lot of time. Great. I mean, you, you, you're very casual and laid back about it, but I know that you were very intense about uh, kind of saving up for the camera. And, <laughs> you know, I also have a story about that. Okay, hit me. So when I really, really wanted the DSLR and the lenses, I pretty much went on a ramen diet. I just ate ramen for like four months because I used my checks money to buy a camera. And then I wanted the lens, so I spent another two months just eating ramen pretty much every day. Every day. And you didn't die from that? Oh, no. It was ramen and eggs. Occasionally, I throw in some cheese. Yeah. All right. So that was sort of your base. What's the budget? That's like uh, maybe you're only spending five bucks a day. I was doing around $200 a month. $200 for food a month. Yeah. And this was also because I had a surgery at the time. I had a broken nose. So I had it fixed. So I, I paid for the surgery and I was paying for the camera. Uh-huh. So this is... I mean, and this is a repeating theme. I mean, I've known known you for a while, and you, you get real intense about stuff. You, you, you like to not just casually address your pursuits. It's like, uh, what's, my, what's Noe's obsession this year? You know me pretty well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, my obsession this year is uh, I'm going really hard on the night, night street photography. Uh-huh. And to a lesser scale, traveling outside of Seoul on the weekends to do landscapes. Yeah. The rooftoping thing, um, there are, I mean, this is a vertical city in many ways, right? Mm. I mean, so there's lots of good places to get a bird's eye view. But uh, again, that's something that you can be very obsessive about because in order to take a landscape or a cityscape photo, conditions have to be really right, don't they? 
Ah, you you got that right. Most people don't know that they think you need a good camera and you need to go on a roof, but really it matters. Uh, for one, the dust, uh-huh. the time of the day, like uh, evening is best when it's not too bright and it's not too dark, and uh, if there's clouds in the sky. Yeah, that's counterintuitive. I mean, I suppose you can go up to uh, high skyscrapers, but also mountains can serve as your rooftops in a way as well, and you can get a nice shot of the the bowl of the city, but. The perfect day to take uh, these high photos, as I've read from some of your posts, they're not perfectly clear days. You want you want a bit of cloud cover, don't, yeah. don't you? You want a little bit of action in the sky, mm. and uh, you don't want it to be very dusty that day either. So, like after it rains, that's actually the per- the perfect time to go because the clouds are like moving. There's no dust, and there's still some sun coming through. And the clouds act a little bit like a, a diffuser in a way. Of that's light. right. It's kind of a cloud cover. Is can be some of the nicest uh, weather to to shoot video in too, because it's the, the the light is not so harsh on everything. What are some of your favorite uh, cityscape or rooftoping photos that you've shot? Actually, some of my favorite photos are uh, from public places, like sure. the sixty nine building, because uh-huh. uh, you can get a whole view kind of sixty three building, view. right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, have you gone up to like? There's the big um, new building, you know, the the tallest building in Seoul. Lotte Tower. Yeah, have you been up there? I've seen a lot of shots from there. I've been meaning to go too, but I have not yet. I need mm. I need a friend to go with me. Is it better from mountains or from buildings, in your opinion? Mm, in my opinion, I like from buildings much more because you can also get the intersections below. Yeah. And if you're from a mountain, you can't really see the details as well, but you can get the whole vi- the whole city. Yeah. So that's capturing the cityscape. And then if you multiply that and string it through time, then you've got a time-lapse. Then you got a time-lapse. That's what I do. Time-lapse, basically a, a video composed of one very patient guy and his camera capturing moment after moment after moment for what's the like say the minimum time lapse that can be effective for me it's an hour one hour only yeah okay that's if you just want to see the clouds kind of shift overhead that's it well i capture day to night time lapses that's like my speciality okay so one hour is enough for it to go completely light to black yes i start about 15 minutes before sunset and then i keep going through the blue hour until it ends oh now, how often are you re-gauging? Because that's the magic of it, is to continually reset the camera every second or two, right? Well, I'm actually always looking at the histogram. And once once I see that it's getting too bright, because I want to I wanna keep all the details, I, I change the settings. Histogram is sort of that wavy thing, the technical readout, right? On your, uh, you, can, you can queue it up on your camera. Most people don't use it, frankly. Yeah, because uh, the thing is, you can look at the back of your camera and you think, oh, the picture is, is perfect. It's not too bright, not too dark. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, it might be overexposed or too bright. Mm-hmm. And you want to look at the histogram so you can see what the camera thinks. That's right. It, it's like the values of the colors and the yeah. lights or whatever. It sounds technical, but it's just telling you if it's too bright or too dark. And so on some of these beautiful ones, you've got time lapses where you know, you're watching the clouds move, you're watching the sun go down, and there's like almost a bit of a, a tracking shot, like a pan from left to right, right? Uh, those are called hyperlapses. Hyperlapses, okay. Those are much more difficult. All right. So that's even one more step above that. You, What's the longest time-lapse you ever did? I think I did a six-hour time-lapse on Mount Inwangsan. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, I wanted to capture like the entire day. That was the, the introduction to my time lapse video. Uh, I was there from like the afternoon until maybe eight eight yeah. p.m. And that's kind of co- yeah. So capturing the full sundown. And again, it's it's nice if there's uh, something along the lines of active weather, stormy weather, fast moving clouds are like your best friend in this. Well, they they can't be too fast. Mm. Some of the ones that I've seen from you, it looks like the clouds are just kind of scorching across the sky, you know. But I guess that's what happens when you. Um, well, it depends on how fast you make your time lapse go, because you can take you can do your time lapse, but then if you want to make it faster, you want to compress it. You want to make it slower, you make it longer. Yeah. When did people start noticing? I mean, when did you first, how long was it from your first sort of, I'll try a time lapse or a hyperlapse to like, ah, somebody's noticing me? Well, this was when I was still a YouTuber. And uh, I told my followers I was going to be working on a project so I wouldn't be making so many YouTube videos. And then I just started doing updates on my progress and people started saying, wow, those are really good. I I can't wait till the final product. And then once the final product came... It was kind of like a big explosion on social media and everyone started sharing it. Really? And that's when I got noticed. And professionally noticed as well, not just by YouTube followers. Yeah, that's right. You got uh, some networks chasing you, some photo companies. Uh, the Anthony Bourdain show chased you. <laughs> yeah, they, they found me and they actually asked to use some of my timeless footage for their Parts Unknown video. Really? Mm. Uh, so that's cool. So some of your nighttime urban lapses... You did them specially for that program, or uh, they, they they just kind of requisitioned what you already had? Yeah, they saw my time lapses, and they were like, oh, we really like these shots. Could you uh, let us use them? And I said, sure, no problem. Is this sort of your, uh, your full-time thing now, just shooting? My full-time thing is actually a teacher, as most people are. Okay. Because, uh, as you might know, working in the media is kind of fickle. Sometimes you make money, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. So, so that's kind of your bedrock you know, your your nine to five kind of thing. And That's then right. You fill in the gaps and you every now and then you score a home run on your photography. Do you ever think about just jumping and uh, doing photography full time? I thought of that many times, but then I remember about the fickleness of it. Like sometimes you might be big and then other months you might make nothing from it. Uh-huh. So that's what keeps me. And besides, I do have a master's in education. So oh, okay. So I, I want to climb the ladder, be a professional a professor someday. Really? Yeah. Bit of a double life. You've got your, you know, your nine to five Noe and then uh, hyperlapse Noe. At night and on the weekends. Yeah. Why um, do you stick around in Korea? Is it mainly because of, uh, you know, you're married to a Korean and that's kind of how life is shaped up? Or is it something about Korea apart from the domestic realities? It's the medical care well i'm kidding i would believe that if you said that <laughs> well, we both come is, from a place where medical care is uh, a train wreck so whenever i visit home i always uh there's always nothing to do and there's no jobs and like i said i am an english teacher and i have a degree in linguistics and i see the way t- teachers are treated in america and every year it gets worse and they get paid less and less and if you're an esl teacher which is my degree is ESL, you get paid worse than the PE teachers, worse than the art teachers. So I'm not looking forward to that. ESL in the middle of the United States, where theoretically everybody is uh, native in English, must be a tough market. Very difficult, even where I'm from. Yeah. 
you are, like you said, you're from a Mexican family, mm-hmm. both parents Mexican. That's uh, correct. And so you, are, you must have grown up speaking Spanish. You're trilingual now. That's right. Well, my Korean is better for listening and reading than it is for speaking, but I can get around. Yeah. Uh, um, have you ever used that in your media? I tried using Korean subtitles in my videos. Yeah. But well, well, I know I'm, I'm talking about Spanish now. Oh, Spanish. Well, uh, I do try to speak more Spanish in my social media because I do have a bigger following from Spanish speakers now. Yeah. So I try to converse with them more often in Spanish. That's cool. We interviewed uh, a young lady, a YouTube star, I think we can say, by the name of Latina Saram. Latina Saram. Um, do you know her? I think I met her, but at that time I wasn't so much into that media. Yeah. So I might have not recognized her. I mean, she's real big with audiences in uh, Central America and South America and around just to sort of the, the Spanish speaking group. So I think there is a real audience to tap into there. Yeah. And that is part of the reason why I'm making more videos in Spanish now. Mm-hmm. But I'm also keeping in mind my English speaker. So I made a separate channel just for the English speakers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, there's the time lapse stuff. Again, a reminder, we're going to put all this stuff up on our social media, Facebook's uh, Koreascape page and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Time-lapse hyperlapses, which I've uh, now been clarified on, are a time-lapse with a bit of camera movement and the basic photography stuff. You said you'd been evolving into just uh, street-level photography. What about that interests you? Well... I, there's many kinds of photographers, right? Sure. Some do like portraits or wedding or landscapes. But these days, since I can't go out of Seoul too often, I like to shoot at night and it's kind of candid photography. Yeah. There's so many. What, what's your favorite areas to shoot in? I think that would probably be Dongdaemun, the old area of Dongdaemun, uh, Uljiro, Jongno, especially. Old school Korea. Yeah, like the real Korea in my words. The real, the, the real Kangbuk, Kangbuk style. Um, I know another young photographer, she goes to uh, Mulle. She said it's got like a, like a cyberpunk or a steampunk kind of thing to it. Uh, all metal during the day, art at night. Korea has a little bit of, or Seoul, I should say, has a little bit of a Blade Runner kind of appeal to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's my, like, the big thing I go for. Whenever I take a picture, I try to imagine that it's like a, a scene from Blade Runner. Yeah, a lot of neon Maybe some steel, some pipes, some vehicles. That's that's when I think about I think of Uljiro. Yeah. So that's why I like shooting in that area, especially for the steel workshops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it all comes together out there too. I mean, it's like the the, the fashions, like the old guy fashions, the guys walking around in suits from decades ago, and just hanging out, and it's just a whole different place. Yeah, so I always like to show people when they visit Seoul, like, you want to hang out with me, take some pictures, and I always take them to those kind of areas because I know they don't get to see enough of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's the closest thing, to, I think, to a time machine that you can get in uh, Korea, you know, going back to the probably the 80s or even the 70s. I think some of those guys were walking around in some of the same clothes. <laughs> um, which, what kind of stuff you got on the burner? Like we said, you know, you're a guy that commits to huge projects and sticks with it. Uh, you know, I've known over this past year you've been going crazy in the gym and doing this whole physical transformation. Um, you've mastered several kinds of photography, even though you never do. You have to get better and better all the time. What's your um, What's the next horizon you're looking at? 
the next big thing is doing a night time lapse of Seoul. And I'm thinking of calling it like Seoul 2049 or something. Have you running. ever considered one of those time lapses where the camera, you know what I'm talking, it's a hyperlapse and the camera like dives in close up and then pulls back out, all that kind of stuff. That was a very big thing for a while. But I don't want people to think I'm copying somebody else. Yeah. Because, like, there's somebody who's already pretty famous for that. And for a while, it got overdone. Like, so many people did the same thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to stick more to the uh, kind of cyberpunk soul kind of aesthetic. Just keep it uh, basic. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. So it would be one of those uh, – what would be the range of it? Would you put it at sort of street level and have everybody kind of moving like strobe lights through the streets? Or would it be more macro, kind of like from a building top? I'm thinking of starting with a macro and then ending with a more of a micro. Yeah. So starting from like rooftops and then more zooming into people's lives. And then the end goal of doing that would be just kind of putting it online and being recognized or would you want, uh, you know, would you want to have like uh, an exhibition someday or somebody to make a movie out of your stuff? What's when you think, you know, the end station, the end goal for my work is what? Well, the end goal for me is I want more people to see my stuff, you know. Because mm-hmm. as much as I do enjoy money, there isn't much money to be made from photography. Mm. So where I do make my money is from time lapses. And I sell my time lapses to companies. Yeah. And taking photos is more of an art or like my passion. Sure. For me. It's a niche skill. And you've you've got it pretty well nailed. Noe Alonzo is a photographer, a time lapse maker, and also, incidentally, a professor of uh, language studies in the making. You can see his stuff on our social media, Koreascape social media. No way. Thanks for coming in. Sure. Anytime.